0: Hi, I'm Steve Thomas. This is Cacophony. Let's dive into some great music, but first a warning. This music is passionate, exciting, exhilarating. In this episode, we're talking about one of the first great Hollywood film scores. I'm delighted to be joined by Lev Perikian, conductor, writer and naturalist. Lev's taking a break from talking about his new book, Into the Tangled Bank, to talk with me about the composer Eric Korngold, the musical influences on him, and Korngold's massive influence on how we see and hear film today, 80 years down the line. So let's dive in. I've known you for over Mm. 20 years. Terrifying. We talk mainly about cricket and music, but not really about depth. So without giving me a biog... I want to know how you came to be a musician, what it means to you, and what makes music special.
1: How did I come to be a musician? Well, my father was a violinist, so there was music in the house all the time. And as I was growing up, I had some some proficiency for various things, but in particular percussion instruments, which I really enjoyed. So that was the path I took, um, thinking, is there anything I can do or anything I want to do? And I thought music was the with A Happy Place, playing in orchestras. So I studied uh, timpani and percussion and became a freelance timpanist. And as my career, for want of a better word, <laughs> progressed, I became uh, more interested in the role of the person at the front of the orchestra rather than just at the back. The orchestras are strange and mysterious beast. They are. And so I became really interested in how to get the best out of them and try and uh, make them. Perform to their best ability. So, conducting was the path I took, and I've been doing that now for 20 something years.
0: So, uh, music's your happy place. Is there a sort of spiritual dimension to that?
1: Uh, Yeah, I suppose so. (laughs) The spiritual dimension to that, I suppose, is it uh, brings peace of mind, maybe, or when it stirs the emotions. The music I love the most gets you reaches places that other things can't reach, I suppose. Yeah, there's something to do with uh, the expression of humanity that music does that other art forms don't. Which isn't to say that other art forms don't do other things. Art will do it in one way, literature will do it in another, and so on. So compare it to art. You're looking at a, a painting and it is there, static. Music's linear progression through time conjures up different things evolving and changing emotions so you can make that journey from one thing to another and if it's done well then it builds up
0: yeah yeah so today's journey we're going to hollywood
1: we are do you want to set the scene for us so yes the piece i've chosen is the seahawk overture by eric wolfgang corngold and it is the a, a mixture. It's the main title uh, plus some other bits for the film uh, directed by Michael Curtiz called The Seahawk, which is a 1940 swashbuckler from, from Hollywood. Hongold composed, I think, four or five of them in, in this vein Errol Flynn vehicles, black and white, uh, lots of action, intrigue, and drama. This overture, it's incredibly arresting from the the word go. It starts with the fantastic brass fanfares which are associated with the main character. Vaughan Gold's style will be, I think, familiar to a lot of people from having listened to music by, for example, John Williams. Large, lush, pictorial, almost operatic, over-the-topness.
0: One of the things that strikes me is that composers don't write in a vacuum. And John Williams often gets some criticism for sounding a bit like other people. Mm. And, and you listen to Korngold and he sounds very late romantic in style. And there are echoes in there of Mahler and Strauss and rimsky Korskov and early Stravinsky. But it's still his own music. Mm. Same way that Brahms is inspired by Bach, Korngold is inspired by Mahler Strauss and Co. And, and Williams then gets inspired by Korngold because what Korngold is doing... He's almost setting the stall out for this is what Hollywood film music sounds like.
1: Yeah, this is what it's going to be. That comes down to what the the writers, friends of mine, call the mulch. The mulch being all your influences. And the more of them you have, the richer that mulch and the the richer what you produce is going to be. Corngold's mulch was pretty rich, but it was steeped in that late Romantic tradition. He was born in 1897. And raised in Vienna. His father was a very eminent music critic. And Gongold was a, a child prodigy. He was he wrote a ballet called The Snowman at the age of 11. Eight. Proper prodigy. You mentioned Mahler and Strauss. Mahler and Strauss both spoke highly of him as a child. You know, so he was he was in those elevated circles. So precocious and talented, and making his mark as a you know an original voice and then of course the 30s happened and he was jewish so go out of vienna uh, and do something else he moved to america he was in hollywood and his talents um just slotted in with what was happening in hollywood at that time mm. the defining soundtrack was king kong 1933 by max steiner uh-huh. which set the tone for this new kind of film music composition which is Very lyrical, very atmospheric, so telling you almost what's happening in the scene from what you hear, playing its role as as a character. And the thing that Corngold especially did was the operatic device of linking musical themes to characters. So you hear, and there's Errol Flynn, uh, the name on the film. There he is again, it's a fight. Again, you see Donna Maria in the film, and there it all goes smushy and romantic which is something we're very used to. So you could watch the seahawk and go, oh God, this is all very cliched. But he was the first one to do it, or one of, the, one of the very first ones to do it. He was doing it brilliantly and he was setting the tone for the generations to come.
0: If there can be an upside to the time in which he lived, this burgeoning Hollywood studio system has rival studios and they've all got their own orchestra.
1: Yeah, wonderful to think, isn't it? And huge orchestras that we kind of got used to now. You talk about John Williams, it's always a big symphony orchestra with heavy brass and percussion and two harps and, and all of that you know, to, to produce this rich tapestry of sound.
0: And they're good orchestras. They're filled with Jewish immigrants escaping what's going on in Europe.
1: Yeah, and composers are, are writing music to match virtuoso stuff. You're a horn player. You player. Have, uh, have you ever played the Seahawk?
0: when i was 20 odd but my goodness i'd love to play it again
1: it's a proper little roast up at the very beginning for the for the brass yeah. because it's you got to be yeah. i'm a
0: i'm a better player now than, than i was then <laughs> and i think god i'd love a bit of that
1: there's one thing you mentioned Stryce and Marlo, there's one bit in the film at the end of the first battle the spaniards surrender and the surrender fanfare alone trumpet or bugle Going up and then down to the angular phrases sounds like something out of a mallet. There you go, oh, okay. It's it's funny
0: that you should pick a very specific thing like that, because um at the end of the Queen Elizabeth throne room scene. Yeah where he's got big triumphal march music going on. He cuts away the final chord and still has other musicians playing quietly underneath. And it's what Marla does in the finale of his seventh symphony. And that's something that John Williams does. That particular bit sounds very much like the triumphal march in Star Wars.
1: The whole thing of a musical theme being associated with the character, that's Wagnerian thing from Wagner Opera. The leitmotif, if we're going to use the the technical term. Again, John Williams, and we talk about John Williams simply because he is the great. You hear a passage of music and you go, oh, it's John Williams. The ultimate, the absolute ultimate film leitmotif. It's just two notes. Two notes and it tells you immediately, shit, there's a shark in the water. And apparently, when Williams first played that at Spielberg, because Spielberg went, Is that it? Really? <laughs> <laughs> that it? Yeah, that's it. Believe me. Um, so, cutting back to Korngold, that thing about um, the, the cutoff and musicians, you know, other musicians carrying on underneath, one of the other characteristics of this composition style that he was developing was the continuous, what they call wall to wall, as an example of the very beginning of the film. And at the end of the titles, as you fade into the first scene, which is the King of Spain, you would expect the music to stop and the dialogue to begin. But the dialogue starts and the music continues. It takes a big drop in level, but it's still there in the background. I mean, it's a two-hour-long film, and there's something like... 20 minutes of the film is unaccompanied by background music. And the background music that he writes is always underpinning and informing and just picking out little things so if a character speaks then you might get their leitmotif their theme or there might be a dramatic moment and there'll be a stab chord so it's all tied up with and not reacting to but actually informing as well
0: the film itself is a kind of pre-armada kind of plot yeah
1: so errol flynn's a, a, a privateer it's england versus spain basically
0: yeah and that's to say, this is Britain versus Hitler in 1940. Yeah.
1: As you say, there's a, there's a bigger picture to be to be considered.
0: Talk us through the overture.
1: The first two or three, two and a half minutes of it is exactly as it appears in the main title of the film. It's rolling and it's, it's really setting the scene. You get the, the very busy and uh, extremely brilliant and sparkling fanfare uh, with some quite... Um, difficult stuff for the brass it's not obvious it's quite complex rhythmically yeah as you say it's not four square in that sense there's the odd two and three he does throw in the odd false bar but having uh, shot his bolt with the with the fanfare it then segues into the big uh, sweeping hollywood tune <laughs> And it's one of those melodies that you think, oh, I can sing that, and then actually you end up picking the wrong note for the next bit. Because it's, got, it's more complex than it, it makes up. but the, the harmony underneath is fantastic. Dense, rich with a really crunchy bass line. It's accompanied by these running passages of you know, woodwinds and harps and, and all sorts to add that extra color and sense of adventure and devil may care. I, I I now need to sing through it in my head, actually. <laughs> it's the next melody, which is the love, the, the romantic interest, Dona Maria. So that's that. And there's some, a little bit of atmospheric music to accompany uh, the visit to Panama. The, the... I
0: really like the South American music. The percussion, he's got some jungle vibes going there. It's a little bit like Gershwin's Cuban Overture.
1: Yes. So there's that. And then basically returns to the final fanfare to to finish. Packs a lot in. And it's the conjuring up of a world. Yeah. So those really successful film scores make you think, ah, I know what world I'm in. I remember this.
0: So we were playing bits of the original soundtrack, which is on Spotify, Mm. and is amazing. Aside from anything else, it's several notches quicker at the beginning.
1: Yeah. It is. And there are some accelerators, it gets faster at times as well. I did it a couple of times in concert without ever having seen the main title or uh, heard the original recordings. And it completely changed the way I did it. Crikey, this is fast. You know, this is uh, zipping along at a lick. It's electrifying. Yeah, it really is. But I think the, the reason I've done it is that you want to dwell on things, indulge yourself. But actually, that sentimentality and not you know, sentiment just becomes overblown. The discipline of film music, especially nowadays, is you've got to write a certain length of time. You can't have another 10 seconds, 30 seconds, minute, whatever, you've got to say what you're going to say. The climactic duel, it's easy to be swept along by it. It's a fantastic swashbuckling sword fight, quite fast and cuts and there are all the things that we know as tropes in, in fight scenes. Tables get upended, chairs thrown all over the place. And it would be interesting to watch that scene with the sound turned down. It adds an enormous amount of energy to drive and uh, excitement to it. And again, it's complex music. Rhythmically yeah. complex, it's harmonically complex. It's not just run to dum to dum It's going places, you know, if you, you can analyse it and go, ooh, ah. It's sophisticated stuff. So, um, real skill.
0: Film music is a great vehicle for bringing really interesting, you know, harmonic and rhythmic divergence mm. to people's ears when they wouldn't necessarily consider listening to music that that was that adventurous.
1: Yeah. So, listen to this Marla Symphony. No thanks. Yeah. Watch this film that's got Corn Girl's score. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. And it would also. That effect is often subliminal because you're not necessarily listening. You're not taking the music in in the same way as you would in a concert hall. It's there and you almost take it for granted. I think we should probably put it on now. Very good idea. It's a really fun, uh, exciting piece. Thanks for asking me on. Excellent.
0: Let's enjoy it. Thank you, Lev. Um, so click on the links in the show notes to have a listen. And then when you've done that, give us a comment, a like, share and subscribe. Come back for more next time. Thanks for listening.